This is All Things Podcast. I'm Brittany. I'm Francesca. I'm Celine. And I'm Caitlin. <laughs> and Celine and Caitlin are just permanent hosts on the show. <laughs> At this point. <laughs> we have a lot to say. We just want to bitch about the episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but we're actually starting today with something a little different. Mm. Because Marja Lewis Ryan's bitch ass had the audacity to <laughs> so poorly, so embarrassingly, in an interview that was released yesterday. So that would have been the 16th. And in a word, appalling. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it was only yesterday. It feels like it was. It, was <laughs> it feels like we've lived like four lifetimes in the one day. <laughs> the last that has like gone by. hours have been it's just insane. Well. It's we went from like bottom <laughs> to like here. Now we're back to like. Yeah. And now we're back up top. We're back up top after anyone coming to my wedding. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the photos were dropped, the more extended photos, which now we know there is more to the proposal scene, of course, that we didn't get to see. So, wow. As per usual. It's just been a lot of emotions running wild. Oh, and this new era of the fandom is having to fight with the hags like we used to. So, I mean, we're really just beautiful. It's, it's all passing the baton. <laughs> passing the baton to the take on those haggles, Ben. Um, <laughs> so, um, let's see here. I want to make sure that I don't butcher her name. Uh, Jess, is it Rothschild? Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah. Rothschild had an interview with Marja Lewis Ryan that was released yesterday and I think I don't know Jess but props to her she really held her own she remained very professional in the face of just absolute foolery um so I want to say that first and foremost and secondly Marja's an ass uh, <laughs> honestly the interview when you think it can't get worse it does Marja may be one of the most self-centered people that I've ever witnessed talk. She is, I mean, it, there's no credit given to an, another soul for the reboot of Gen Q, the reboot of the L word, I should say. Marja did it all, you guys. She wrote it. She created it. She held it on her back. She died at the cross, okay? That's pretty much the biggest takeaway that I can, can say from this interview. Again, I'm just shocked. I'm I'm shocked. It's even from the standards of any interview, it's a poor interview. Like even if we didn't already have disdain for Marsha, like if anyone, if any show writer came out and said the stuff that she said in this interview, anyone would be appalled. Yeah. Awful. 100%. I mean, the worst, not the worst thing, but like the most laughable thing is like, where do you see your show going? And her only answer being, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. that that just like sums up all of season three like it's obvious that you do not know the direction of your own television show you don't know your characters you don't know the storylines you don't know the backstories you don't know shit about your own show and you think that we're just gonna like continue to sit here and watch it anyways and but, we will and we will but <laughs> we're not gonna do it happily yeah. what, made me, what made me laugh about the comment of people are gonna watch it anyway but half the people stopped watching 
it was people taking one for the team and watching it at least at midnight. Yeah, and it, it, it was going to sleep. Yeah, it was <laughs> I never watched until came back. I didn't watch live those last several episodes, maybe one. It was yeah. dead. The timeline was dead. It was rough. I had no to like cared. I would like take naps and be like, Fran, wake me up at eleven forty-five or else. <laughs> I mean, no one was excited for these episodes and the episodes were not like tweet. I feel like TV now is so much about like what goes on on social media, like the live tweeting and the hashtags and whatever. And like, there was none of that. And then you compare it to episodes one and two and nine, and it's a whole different thing. That's not like obvious. If that's not telling enough, I don't know what is. Marja was asked if the writers have watched the original series and she said I don't know and I honestly think that was out of spite because she just did not want to talk about the original yeah like even if that's a like requirement she doesn't want to talk about it because mm-hmm. she does it's not about Jin Q it's not about her show mm-hmm. so she then had the audacity prior to that to say like she how she met Eileen and how she came to pitch for Gen Q. She, you know, said I had the opportunity to say thank you to Eileen. Like I I was watching the L word, you know, back in the day. It was important to me, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, but you know, the idea that the show is just lesbians in Los Angeles, like that's not that's not enough to run a show on. Like it needed more structure. And then went on to say like, I have created this queer pipeline of success. You know, so many of these people, they didn't get a break until they were on this show. Then at, later in the interview said that she, in the L word, Jen Q made Sefi. Like took all responsibility for Sefi's success. What a comment to make. Also mispronounced her name. Yes. Which was just, it's so disrespectful. (laughs) Yeah, making a Tibet fan angry, fine. We've been there, done that. Making a Seppi or a Genie fan angry, they're another level. Scary. They're scary. scary. They actually have pitchforks. We joke about pitchforks. They have them. Yeah, no. (laughs) Rightfully so. I mean, uh, especially after this season. They were treated like absolute shit. They have every right to be mad. Yeah. When asked, um, why was Bet so cold to Gigi in the show? It wasn't like her, what, you know, what was the point of that? And she said, I don't know. That was four years ago. Man, that was last it was, it was not four years ago. That had to be written literally max end of 2020. Yeah. For season two how do you not know your storylines how can you not like justify every single thing that that has done if you ask Eileen that question she can answer a five minute question answer about Mm -hmm. any character she wrote 20 fucking years ago so unacceptable embarrassing embarrassed the secondhand embarrassment strong on this one yeah really is did you, see, um, did you see Kate's wife <laughs> say oh that interview I did <laughs> he tweeted about it oh my god no I did not see that he tweeted yeah she called the decision 
to kill off Dana. She, Marja called Eileen's decision to kill off Dana in the original series as correct. Yikes. Eileen Eileen regrets doing that. Eileen regrets that so she said it on fans. She yep. says if she could take one thing back, it'd be that. Yep. I mean. <clears throat> <laughs> Is Marta looking for a way out? Like, is she really just trying to solidify no season four? I'm not sure. Is she just with the show? Like, you can make it a drinking game. Every time she said, I don't know, take a shot, you'd be hammered by the end of it. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, saying that basically we're at this point, episode nine hadn't aired when she was interviewed. So by saying that we need to watch nine and 10 to get all these answers that we're waiting for that we've been asking. I think that's absolute bullshit because what answers did we even get in nine? Are they all coming in 10? But Caitlin and I were sitting there talking about today that there's still no answers to the questions that we have. And you still have to look deep into this back or back meaning of why did someone look this way or do that or say this or like, what is the meaning behind half of it? Yeah, I feel like you have to do so much of the work yourself as a fan because you get literal crumbs of content. And I, we'll talk about the thing we were, we were talking about and when we do the episode, but like you shouldn't have to, like when you watch other TV shows, you're not like spending half an hour trying to figure out why Bet and Tina looked at each other a certain way when Angie said something. Like it's yeah. so absurd to me. I have some of Marja's greatest hits for what she said during this interview. So I'm going to read some. <laughs> I'm not that special. I didn't know what I was doing in the beginning for sure. I stumbled. I mean, there's so much that I didn't know. I'm not a person who follows direction well and literally, literally and figuratively. I had to fail. All my writing comes from the ground. I have a hard time getting up. To Jennifer Beals, can you write it? She Jennifer Beals. No, oh, Jennifer Beals knows the character more than I will. How can that not be true? I'm not invested in it. I don't mind that people hate me and I don't mind that people think I've ruined their lives. I don't want to tell those stories. I don't know how. I'm the fuck up. I'm so open to criticism. You <laughs> <laughs> got off of Twitter. Um, I also would like to to read some of the tweets about this interview from people on Twitter. One was, um, <clears throat> at this point, Marjolis Ryan is a walking hate crime. Everything she's done is so disrespectful. Um, all people of color and white queers need to band together about what Marja said about the L word only being about white lesbians. Cause the line was that the show is a show about white lesbians because she is a white lesbian. While also boasting about the fact that she's brought so much representation to television this way. Well, didn't she like talk about them speaking Farsi for four minutes and how she took credit for that? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And how excited, you know, the, the, um, when she was at the bar watching the show live, how excited everyone got. And she had them speak Farsi twice. If I recall, it was twice in the series. And then you got rid of half of that couple. Yeah. They also didn't translate it. So no one knew what they were saying. Yeah. Yeah. This one is from Francesca and I think it's valid. It's weird that Marja said Beth's mom would be 90 because <laughs> Francesca says my mom is 60 and her mom is 82 and thriving. So what the fuck kind of comment is that? Beth isn't even 60 in the show. Make something make sense. Beth's mom would not be 90. 
It's not like Vet said I visited my mom at the memory care facility. She's on her deathbed with Alzheimer's. Vet's mom is much younger than Melvin. That was like part of the scandal. Yep. Oh, was she? I don't know. I, I, in I mean, in the original, she's also dead. So right. yeah. <laughs> it's true. Also, I just rewatched the interrogation tapes. I completely forgot that according to Tina's interrogation tape, that her mom is dead. Mm -hmm. I forgot about that completely. So did I. I did not remember that. That one kind of threw me for a loop. Um, a lot of these are really <laughs> Marja Lewis count your fucking days. <laughs> Marja is literally a sociopath. Have you guys seen the photos of her? photoshopped with like pacifiers in her mouth it's so funny if celine sends me the one of marcia in jail one more time <laughs> oh, i'll do it right now do it yeah i mean again i'm just gonna say i sickening i mean yeah. the the comment about the show being about white lesbians because she is like why would you say that why why would you have that come out of your mouth and it's not even true it's not the majority of the cast is not white yeah and how many lesbians are actually on the show because we've been spending a lot of time watching micah and maribel and who's the other couple that we've been seeing a lot of sophie and finley well sophie and finley yeah, finley <laughs> They're, oh, well, we saw Tom and Alice for a period of time. Like, the center of the show, I don't feel like, is about even lesbians at this point. No. Like, it's no, that's her whole thing, right? It's Generation Q. She wanted to show it from, she wanted to open it up and show it, you know, have Which it. Which is fine, but write interesting stories. Yeah. Yeah. Or give, don't have so many stories. Like, Micah and Maribel, I wish I could be invested in them, but they have no screen time for me to be invested in them. They weren't so even was, in episode nine. Oh, so why in episode why in episode 10 now the whole synopsis is about them having a baby? <laughs> why am I supposed to care about them? That's because it. I didn't just see them. I feel like it's like that for everyone's storyline this season. It's like no one has enough screen time for us to be invested. We're only invested in the original characters because we have like eight seasons prior of mm -hmm. information. Like, why why are we going to care about any of these people, and why are we going to care about all almost all the characters being paired up with a guest star that is likely not going to be there next season? That's another thing. The relationships are moving so fast. Nothing's being fostered, and nothing's being like. No. You know, I think a, a reason why people liked, even though Tasha and Alice like had their moments with all the arguing stuff, we saw them over the course of two seasons grow as a couple. Yeah. What what Absolutely. what character has had a relationship that's grown over the course of two seasons in this in Gen Q, besides Sophie and Finley, which disaster. Which everyone hates. Yeah, nobody. Everyone has like three or four episodes, maybe. A little bit more with like Tess and Shane. The best writing is for Carrie. Rose O'Donnell has gotten yeah. probably the best writing for the whole this season. And well, people are using it up. That's one of the things that Marge just said. She is so proud of Carrie and Missy's relationship and the fact that she could display that on television. We've seen them together for five minutes. And she even said that episode nine was Rosie's last episode. She's not even going to be in 10. 
Thank so. God. Will we even see her next season? Like, what's the plan? Two less well, characters. Rosie did a, a TikTok or something, and she was like talking about being in season four. Oh, okay. So, oh, she is here. Listen, she's keeping the she's keeping the ship afloat at this point. Yeah, <laughs> she is. The water keeps us like abreast of what's going on with if the season's even going to come back. She did that a couple seasons ago for us. Well, speaking of, this is a good place to, to jump ship a little bit. So episode nine of season three, Quiet Before the Storm. Oh, what a great title. Yeah. Yeah, that title scares me a little. Does it? Yeah. Hmm. Because it's the quiet before the storm. The wedding is the storm. Well, the storm is Tina's orgasm. That is the storm. <laughs> well, and, but also the, there's nothing about Tina and Beth in the synopsis for episode 10. A little, no. con- little concerning. I was so mad. Well, you were so mad. How are you going to have the entire trailer be about them? All of your promotion on Instagram, Twitter, everything. From the beginning of the season, billboards. Do you know how expensive those billboards are? The window mm-hmm. pictures, the digital billboards, the fucking posters. That's like 100K that you spent promoting Bet and Tina. And you're not even going to put them in the synopsis of their own fucking wedding that everyone waited like 19 years for. Be fucking serious. Yeah. So episode nine opens with <laughs> Carrie, Misty, and Finley. Um, Carrie, as we knew, survived her heart attack. They're watching Grey's Anatomy, which is funny because when I did an IMDb search of Misty, who is played by Heidi Salzman, she actually had, she was on an episode of Grey's Anatomy. So I just thought that was funny. Oh, that's cute. Um, uh, of course, of course, of course she was, right? Because nothing about this show makes fucking sense. Yeah. Um, so uh, they're like really uh, trying to be supportive of Carrie and the fact that she's now out of the hospital um, and helping her to essentially be more healthy. There's not really a ton to this scene. I really like Finley though. I think Finley is like really caring person and like really good at taking, like has like that I don't want to say maternal, but like that very good caregiving trait. And even though she can't take care of herself, she's really good at being there for other people. Yeah. And I think she knows that Carrie's a really important person in her life, especially after what happened in episode eight. So then to see Carrie like injured and stuff, like she's going to go over the top to make sure Carrie's okay. And I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, I agree. I I do agree. I like their friendship. I like how it's, that's okay. That's one relationship that we've kind of seen grow over the season but even then not that much screen time no um so next scene is angie in bed she's super depressed about her fucking professor they're broken up at this point and i just need her to really start paying some attention to bella because it's clear as we see throughout the whole episode that not only does bella care about angie a lot but she's obviously like got a serious crush on her at this point Mm-hmm. and Angie is so deep in her own shit she's not picking anything up literally and figuratively <laughs> I mean honestly yeah. there's trash all over the place Tina and Beth show up at the door the crowd cheers everyone <laughs> everyone, <laughs> everyone 
first of all, they both look so good this episode. I mean, they mm-hmm. always look good, right? I mean, truly they do. That's not even an exaggeration, but I love them so much. I just think like they are, um, they are in this season of life. They're exactly who I would have thought they would be as mothers, like showing up at Angie's dorm, you know, and clearly like embarrassing her some, but just it has way too much time on her hands. If she's like looking up on the college website when Angie's like poetry <laughs> reading, because like parents don't go to those things. No. Did anyone's parents show up to any of their things for college? No, absolutely no. not. No. No. no, and I love Jordan Hall too because I thought she played that like surprised moment so fucking well. Like, I think her acting in that scene was just brilliant. Jordan's a phenomenal actor. Like she is doing so well. And I know I was talking to someone at the bar last week about it. Like she's playing it so well because you want to hate her. And like you're she's playing that like annoying teenager that you just can't stand who's making all those wrong decisions like so, so well. Yep. Yeah, 100%. She's acting exactly how a teenager in her position would mm-hmm. react to their parents. Yep. And Tina are just like, so cute and like low-key embarrassing and it's just they have such a good the whole like um I was a stagehand and she was like it was memorable like it was so good it was so bad and like and Tina just like wiping her shirt and just like being very motherly I was like oh it's the little nuances where I'm just like you guys are perfect perfect casting even when they were like trying to get her to shower and bet was just like oh pits and bits it's just like so funny like trying to be supportive and they're like you do what you want to do but like you need to get it together (laughs) but then like bet's ocd like jennifer played it so well where it's like she is this new bet but then jennifer's little fucking ocd coming out and like being so stressed about the room it was so good yeah the quality of her picking up like the the kleenexes and like the, the like takeout box like from the floor she's like putting like you could just tell she was so like she was doing everything in her to not like make a scene about the fact that the room was so messy yeah she, and, and just jennifer does <laughs> jennifer does so much comedy with her face mm-hmm. yes like mm-hmm. during the whole scene you're just like dying like her face is just so good all that wanted throughout the majority of this episode was to get to fucking dinner. So she mentions dinner. <laughs> I made a reservation. Tina does the very cute no scrunch thing, like trying to get her excited about it. Angie is like not feeling it at all. <laughs> I also love the line when Angie like looks at Bella and says, I guess we're all going to this thing. Like uh, she had just said like, nothing's going to make me change my mind. And now we're all fucking going. I thought that was a great line. Um, and then the end of the scene when Bella says that they're low-key iconic. She's right. So true. Bella's us. <laughs> she watched the original. Be- Bella, Bella's Bella watched the original. Yeah, she did her homework. She really did. Um, moving on to Tess and Shane. Um, so moving on to Tess and Shane. They spend the night together. Shane gives her the whole, like, you know, the dog missed you. Um we see a lot of like Tess is deep in her relapse this episode like she's drinking a lot and things are rocky and Shane now suddenly is open to couples counseling and Tess is like no I'm not there I think Shane sees the potential of Tess in her 
I, I feel and like is like willing to work on it but I mean as we see throughout the episode like that's probably not gonna be possible but like I think Shane is is a little different and can make that you know wants to try doesn't want to give up so easily yeah I don't like that they're having her relapse again it's the second time like can we just write something different yeah Yeah. I mean Kate said when like when Kate did interviews for season one of Gen Q she specifically said I don't want Shane cheating yep well here we are and she's already fucking someone else in the next episode it's like where where's the growth right it's also like up until now when we see Tessa's relapse it seemed like Tess was always surrounded by a lot of people and I will give the writers a compliment I think that when people are grieving a lot of times folks pull away because they like don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing so I think that is actually an accurate representation that maybe people think by giving her her space that they're like doing the right thing which has got to be how no one has noticed because they're portraying her as like drinking any chance she gets it's a good point so um so the next scene that we go to is the Alice show um one of the things I really realized this episode is I really like Sophie as a character when she's like in work mode yeah like boss babe boss bitch mode you know like I think that she's a very good like counterpart to Alice and um I think they have really good scenes together the two of them she Um, turns her I think what's that she grounds her yeah Yeah. he grounds Alice and has her get shit done yeah and so we it's the it's going to be alice's like finale episode and she's going to have uh rachel is it maddo am i saying that right yeah rachel maddo on the episode and like it's super exciting and then like sophie gets the dm that she finds out that alice like made that scene at the movie theater like she did earlier in the season which is retweeted by james corden yeah yeah of course it would be well it's funny because like i guess when they wrote the episode and like shot it like was james corden like that problematic yet like he didn't have like the belthazar run uh, issue right he didn't have like these big issues i think it was going on because they finished the script for 10 the day before it was shot okay did they yeah Wow. Before, the, before the table read sorry not the day before it was shot but that's insane that's insane this wedding has been in the making <laughs> for 19 years and you finish it the fucking day before the table read <laughs> well listen i think a lot of it's waiting for you know, written by jennifer and laurel <laughs> so. jennifer submitted her work late <laughs> <laughs> um I really enjoyed the callback. I was not expecting it about Daryl Brewer from the original series when she outed him and like still stands so justified just like she did in the original series that like he was toxic for our community. Like he fucked with us first, basically. Like I owed it to the lesbians everywhere. Um, But yeah, I I was not expecting it. Like of all the things they could have referenced from the original series, that's not ever one I thought would come up again. Honestly, I forgot about it until they brought it up again. I, I forgot until they <laughs> what it was. I was like, who's Daryl? And that, at, first I thought, at first I thought it was the um the person that she was fucking in episode one. I was like, is she that oh, the Gen Z person? Yeah. 
No, I totally forgot as well. I had no, I was like, who the fuck is Daryl? I think if you went through people's tweet threads, you could literally just see who's Daryl. Yeah. (laughs) I only realized like later, there's a scene later where they talk about what happened. And I was like, oh, that's who they're talking about. Okay. Um, Next scene is Finley, Misty, and Carrie again. They're hiking. Um, on a family hike, a family hike. On a family hike. Um, I can relate to Carrie in this scene because when I went to visit Francesca and we went to New York City, that bitch whipped me around town as if I had any business being on my feet for 20,000 steps in a day. I didn't have it. I did no business. Zero. Zero. <laughs> and then we, we went, then we went up a massive fucking hill when we got to Montreal with Caitlin. That's true. <laughs> we did. I will say I've done Runyon Canyon and it's, it's pretty hefty. There's mm-hmm. no, she had no business af- doing that after a heart attack yeah. because I had trouble <laughs> doing it. The fuck. Yeah. They really were like pushing her quite a bit for her, like being so freshly out of the hospital after this cardiac episode. Like, and it's like a hundred degrees <laughs> in LA and you're it's it's a big mountain. It's massive, Runyon Canyon. Yeah, it's yeah. very big. She should not have been doing that. I think you're usually supposed to like walk around the block after you have a heart attack. Yeah, Fine. yeah. Maybe try like taking a couple laps in your living room, something like that. Like get the garbage out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So uh, I do, I really do like Misty and Carrie's like relationship that they have going on. Two things, Carrie Carrie and Tina never had to be a couple. Danny and Sophie never had to be a couple for this show to be what it was. I think that was wasted time. I think in like, if they would have brought Carrie on and made Misty her love interest from the beginning, she would have been way more likable. But I think a lot of people are still probably pretty jaded about Carrie because Mm -hmm. of the fact that that was Tina's fiance. And Danny and Sophie also is another example. They never needed to be together. They're, they're very good as friends. I really like their dynamic. Maybe it's to show that like lesbians can still be friends after their wedding is bombarded by one of the people that they're cheating with. But I just don't think it was a necessary storyline. No. Thoughts? Yeah. I just also think the Tina and Carrie dynamic is just so awful yeah doesn't make sense like fine put put tina with someone but like even and it has nothing to do with rosie o'donnell but the personality of carrie makes no sense yeah, no none tina would never be with someone with carrie's personality like you saw it in every scene especially when bet was in the scene with them and it was like the three of them tina is literally so embarrassed with every single word that comes out of carrie's mouth mm-hmm like there's no you can't tell me that tina was gonna marry her like it just doesn't no it doesn't make sense to me no um yeah so we see another scene with sophie and alice but we kind of already went over the we'll get to the next scene in a minute we see dre and danny um dre tells danny that that they love her Dre loves Danny. Uh, it just blows my mind that some people like love them. I don't get it. They've had like 
30 <laughs> seconds of screen time? Like, <laughs> maybe a minute and a half? Yeah, like there's there's nothing to, all you see them do is like laying in bed and then they'll kiss for like 10 seconds and then something happens and then like there's nothing to their relationship. Why did Dre oh. say I love you? What do you love? I don't understand. <laughs> Her iPad. <laughs> I do like Dre as a character. Like, yeah. I would like yeah. to say that season four. They could have done so much more with them. Yeah. yeah. I don't get it. They were writing uh, a dumb song, though. We'll get to that. That's a good song. It is. Song. They need to release that shit on Spotify. I feel like they should be labeled like a prodigy for having that ready by that night. Like <laughs> that's impossible. Um, Danny then gets called away by Sophie to help Alice out of the crisis that she that she's in. So and Danny was in her own crisis. Yeah. Well, once again, we're back at, at Angie and Bella. Angie is so focused on this fucking professor that she doesn't see that Bella is her number one fan. Angie's downplaying all these nice things that Bella's saying about her, not even looking her in the fucking eye. And if you don't stop acting like Bette Porter season one and two, I will kick ass. <laughs> she really is. And I don't understand how she like got over her girlfriend in like two seconds, not a thought went through her mind. And then she goes to the art gallery and she's like, I'm going to be in my hoe phase. <laughs> and then suddenly she's so strung up on this teacher that she don't, like she walked out of that scene so confidently when, when he wanted to like stop things because he was her professor. So it's like, how did this backtrack to her being like hopelessly in love with this guy who like, it just, what? I think a lot of it, and once again, because nothing's explained and we have to put our own context clues, I think some of it might be in like sort of a defiance, mm -hmm. you know, especially towards the end of the episode. Well, my moms don't want me doing this. People don't want me doing this. So I'm going to go do it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I, I think more it's like, she has Bet in her. Bet want, you know, yeah. Bet was sleeping with her professor in college. Ooh, that, that is a good point. Good callback, Francesca. Good callback. Yep. That was also <laughs> sleeping with one of her students for a period of time. <laughs> That's <laughs> why she was so quiet. Slept together. <laughs> it wasn't. I thought she they still were slept with Nadia. They were they were around in the car. Okay, they were doing some things. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Bet and Tina are at this reading for Angie. They're calling Bella over once again, just being the cutest. Yes, but also embarrassing the shit out of their daughter. <laughs> if I was and Bella, I, I would have been like, Angie, yes, I will sit next to your moms. Yeah. You don't even have to ask twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have been going to dinner with them. <laughs> and she said, like, Angie says, like, right in the beginning, like, they're, they know something's going on. Like, they're going to sniff it out of me, basically. Like, they, they know. And they did. They knew the second they walked into the room that something like big was going on with Andy. Yeah. Um, next scene is them trying to handle this crisis, Sophie and Danny and Alice. And again, Alice is firm and saying that like she did nothing wrong. She's not going to apologize for it. Sophie and Danny wouldn't understand because they weren't lesbians then. Like they're from the younger generation. Um, 
Was anyone upset that Alice said that? Like, not like out of us, but like, do you think people were like upset when Alice said like, like, do you think it was supposed to be a hurtful comment? Like, you don't know what it was like for us or anything like that? No, I don't think so. Okay. I I don't know. I didn't see anyone be upset, but when I was watching it, I was like, I feel like someone's going to bitch about this comment now. Probably. I think it was a valid comment to make. Like, at the end of the day, like, we were all pretty young. (laughs) Like, we don't know what it was for people who are, like, in their 50s. Like, we don't. I mean, like, even, I know this is going a bit forward, but when they were at the burger place, like, they were all over each other. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, we could not do that. Mm-hmm. Like but 20 I would years say, ago, and we like, couldn't when, do that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. In the next scene, we see the professor and Angie having this little conversation before Angie goes up on stage and he's talking about how like his car was broken into, obviously Angie threw their brick and Angie's basically telling him like it was warranted and the professor is basically just like boohooing the whole thing and saying she overreacted. <laughs> then, then Bet turns to Bella and asks her if she wants some candy. <laughs> I saw a tweet the other day or like today or something that that was like, oh yeah, Bet got all the candy so that she could hide the ring in her purse. <laughs> oh, and I was like, oh, Bet would do that. When the the stills are like released before the episode came out and that blog post was put up that that blogger said like the glasses the candy bet is entering her mima era <laughs> i think that was fucking hilarious um well i was talking to someone they, and they said that the candy scene was the candy moment was stupid bet would never do that such poor writing and i was like you just don't get bet the way that we all get bet sorry <laughs> uh, just I think it was her. a nice way to show her in her like little mom era, like like sweet moms, like yeah, like soft. always have candy in their purse. Like I think yeah. it was just a way to show that Bet was like in that period of her life. Do people also not remember though? Bet also had a soft side. Bet was not always screaming banshee. Like yeah. Bet was also a soft human being, especially with Angie, especially with Tina. Like she wasn't always like this mean, awful person. And we see a lot of the softness throughout Gen Q, like from season yeah. one on, especially with Angie. So I don't know why people are so bent about her being so like, she's just, she's not, she's in love. Let her be in love. Yeah. I think you see only on Gen Q, you see it with Angie, but you don't see it with any of her love interests. Mm-hmm. Like she was really rough in season two, especially. So I think people have that in their mind and they're like, whoa, like, why is that acting this way? But if you go back to the original series, any time that she's with Tina, she is like how she is now. Yeah, or even with like Alice and Shane, like she was always super soft and like, Mm. and like. And I think that's the point, right? Is that we don't ever see her as vulnerable as she is unless it happens, unless she's not only with Tina, but like solid and secure with Tina. Yeah. That's when she can be her, I feel like her true self. Mm Mm-hmm let her guard down. Um, I think this is the version of Bet that we all hoped that she would become. Yeah. So it's really like rewarding as a fan to see her in this way now. Yeah. yeah. And I think I said too, it's like the version that we always read in fanfic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Jennifer um, did her research. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Shane shows up. Angie's doing her, her reading. Um, from this point forward, her name is now Bet, voice of reason Porter. She is suddenly like the advice queen. She's the healer. She's all the things. She does give very good advice to Shane and like is very real with her. Um, both her and Tina that, you know, trust is hard. It's hard to gain back. Takes a lot of honesty, relentless honesty. I really love that moment with her and Tina saying that to Shane because yeah. it shows that they like actually worked on it. Like they, yeah. they talked about it. They discussed all those things. Yeah. I like that it's alluded to, especially since we don't see them for six episodes. Like we yeah. lose them right after they decide to be a couple again. So it's nice that they made a reference to the fact that they actually did work to be a couple again and they didn't just get back together and not like that doesn't make any sense so I'm I'm happy that they at least acknowledged it even though we deserve to see it yes and um Tina mentions your your country Caitlin universal health care <laughs> I mean that comment made me laugh so hard <laughs> because <laughs> couples therapy is not covered by universal health care <laughs> <laughs> Americans don't know that. Also, she, I don't think she would have universal health. Like she would have her health care that she had in America because like she literally lives in LA. Well, like, well they permanently moved now. Or I don't well, know. that's I guess that's true. I guess I just think of them being there for like three months and then they're back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically I know people that like work in like England and they get universal health care because they work in England. Mm. Like even though it's like an Amer like they're still an American, they still get it because they live there. And they work yeah there. if you if you have like a work visa or something i i believe you can take advantage of it but it I just made me laugh because is like, that there illegally <laughs> she is probably. not she she is there <laughs> let's be honest they had about 15 minutes to get their shit together with that making this move with tina so who knows like how it all went down well when tina said like she always gets the free candy at duty free does that mean like they've flown back and forth already because she's done it before or does she literally go to a duty-free shop just for the candy? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, we, we do know from the original series that they did travel a lot together. So maybe she's, maybe she's referencing that. That's another like, thing just I their thought. time together that she always yeah. did that. That was my other thought too, was that she's done it in the past. Um, at the end of the scene, we also see Bet in like prime mode because Shane's realizing like, oh, the professor is her ex, and she's trying to say something, and Bet's like, "Shh, I'm recording." <laughs> <laughs> it records like such a mom, like the way yes. she her camera. She put her glasses on. She had the whole yeah. I felt represented because when I record, when I'm at Hens recording, that's how I look. <laughs> <laughs> and I also commonly carry candy in my bag, so. I thought represented. <laughs> Marcia represented me. Um, in the next scene, we see Sophie, Danny, and Alice again. Um, Alice comes out in like some sort of dirt bike situation, little 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 motorcycle thing. She's just driving. I think she's losing it at this point. She's kind of in denial about what's going on. But then Sophie has to break the news to her that Rachel pulled out. She's no longer going to be a um, a guest on the show and. Alice says a line that um, 
I think was the message that Marge was probably going to try to get across to us now that they've released this awful fucking interview, which is, I'm just trying to give a voice to all the queers and they turn on me. That's Marge's <laughs> life now. That's her life now. I'm so yeah. sorry, but everyone has turned their back on you because you fucking suck. Um, <laughs> so Sophie decides she's still going to go forward with the episode and throw something together. We pan back to Angie's reading and um that is when we that is when shane mentions that the professor is angie's boyfriend trying to confirm with bella and oh shit oh shit i shit feel like off. we didn't even give tina like 0.5 seconds to process what was happening <laughs> before she stood up and yelled like a Karen. Yes. <laughs> it was I, too fast. The only thing I think of is that video of her turning and she's, it's just oh, like, yeah, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's the funniest thing I've ever fucking seen. Yes. Because the way she turns and shakes, she's like, it's so <laughs> it, good. It, even Laurel, after all these years, like Laurel still has it. She's still she's such so a phenomenal good. actor. She's got the comedy and her body language. Yeah. It's still there. Still there. Um, my favorite line of that when she's screaming at the professor is when she says, Don't speak. <laughs> my favorite is I'm talking to you, Professor. I was like, <laughs> she's such a like mot, like, oh. Yeah. It's like I love it, but I also have like a little bit of secondhand embarrassment, but it's fun. It's okay. We love her. Um, Sophie like throws together um, the show. Like they, that's when they decide that mm. Margaret Show is going to host and that um, Dre is going to perform because Dre is just ready to be on stage um, on TV. And uh, that's a pretty brief scene. Then we um, cut to. Carrie and Misty and Finley again. Carrie has just finished the hike. Uh, Finley gives Carrie some sort of like green water. <laughs> she says she likes her water clear. Misty makes a line to her like, what does she say? I have it here. Oh, she says at the very end of the scene, like, I'm super gay for you. She said that to Carrie, which I thought was actually pretty cute. We miss talking about them talking about having sex oh yes mm -hmm. point so we found out like an episode or two ago that um carrie is demisexual am i saying that right yes which means they only have sex with someone that they care about or like that they love that they have like a deep emotional connection with so she was not having sex with tina no <laughs> no wonder why tina was oh, also too what i never mind no, it. I'll say it. No, when we get to the scene with Misty and Carrie, I'll, I'll say it. Okay. okay. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So there's like that buildup. They're talking about having sex throughout the hike and, you know, they're not, they haven't landed on like if they will or they won't. And Carrie basically says like, I wasn't expecting to have this many feelings for you so fast. We pan back to the Porter Kennard family plus Shane outside of the university having this argument tina's fucking furious rightfully so angie is furious that she was embarrassed by her mother but again is like trying to play mediator which is an interesting sort of position to see her in <laughs> um 
yeah what are your thoughts on the scene I love the energy I will I want to say that I love when actors like just leave everything at the door and just fucking yell at each other like it's yes. so good to watch yes yeah start there <laughs> when Angie said like Shane's like why didn't you tell me and Angie's like because I don't owe you anything it's my fucking life like that was a great delivery that was mm-hmm. so good Jordan yeah. so good yes yeah. and I love when Bet is like you know like like puts the finger up like no no mm. like we're mad at him not you you know Again, yeah, I love the, the way that. Yes. And, and but they're I, being so reasonable. Like they are like what they're saying is making sense. Like he was in a position of power. He shouldn't have done it. And he's the I mean, when you go back and watch the episodes, he's the one who was like, I want to date you. I don't want to not do this. Yeah. He put her in an impossible situation. Because yeah, he and, backtracked the second yeah. that they had sex. Yeah. And it's like you can't do that especially to like a young girl who just lost their virginity to you like that means a lot yeah and I think that's where that that pull is is that they have Mm -hmm. had sex and Angie kind of alluded to the fact that her and Jordy did some things but they never had sex is is what she says so I think that's also kind of where this attachment is coming from because it's not only someone she had sex with but her first um there's a lot of like chatter on Twitter about if Tina was so defensive about this because of what we know to be true about her past with the interrogation tapes, or was it just because like that's her daughter and she's going to be defensive over her? And like we know later on in the episode, she expresses a vet that like she feels like she's losing her. So even when Tina says like, like clearly I need to get a condo and like move in right next door, you know, like you it's it's a very different side I think than we've ever seen of Tina because Tina is normally the one that's just like it's gonna be fine like everything's gonna work out like she doesn't panic and she's panicking in the scene yeah I think us as fans like we want to believe that they use Tina's backstory of the interrogation tapes as like motive behind what Tina says but I don't think Marja even knows that interrogation tapes exist. Sure. So I don't think Omo remembers the interrogation from, tape. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably being drawn from her just being a mom. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, another thing up to our interpretation. <laughs> and once again, Bet is just trying to get to dinner. She's just yeah. trying to get there. She's made these reservations. She's she hungry. So like just like everything's gonna be fine. She wants Bella, to propose. Yes. <laughs> Bella chases after Angie and like says I agree with your mom like he your mom's he took advantage of you oh wait but can we can we can we go back to the line where Angie's like we've like you've it's not like you've fallen in love with someone that you weren't supposed to or something like that I lost my breath like seeing Laurel's reaction I was like (gasps) oh that hit a chord I mean she shut them all the fuck up every single one of them were silent it really was directed like it really like it really was like it could it could count for everyone but it hit it the camera deliberately was on tina for her reaction so it yeah. really was focused on tina like you didn't get a reaction out of better shane mm-hmm. i like so the it, shot of that looking at like they exchange looks in that moment i thought that was a really good shot and yeah. i do think that she was <clears throat> maybe angie has like a little bit of resentment for the fact that tina left 
worked at and kind of like fell in love, air quotes, with yeah. Harry. Yeah. I, I also probably where it stems from. I also think that she might have been um, referencing Felicity too, because mm-hmm. he, she was old enough to know what was going on when that was fucking around with Felicity. Like, yeah, I did think right about think of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Bella runs after Angie and yeah, basically says like, I agree with your moms, like what he did was wrong. Um, then Angie's obviously like super salty about that. Doesn't, isn't happy that Bella's like siding with her moms because, and even when that's like, let's all just go to dinner. She's like, fuck dinner. I don't want to be around you. <laughs> like, and some people are like creating Angie to be a villain, but like Angie's 18, 19 years old, like she's in this phase where like she thinks she's the expert on life and like her moms don't know shit and like she wants to do what she wants to do. Like I don't think she's acting any more abnormal than any other, you know, woman who's growing up. Her parents did leave her in California and they are fucking in Toronto. Yeah. Every night at 8 p.m. <laughs> they left her and was like, You're a grown up. You can make the right decisions. Er, bad answer. Who does that? Yeah. Irresponsible women. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Did you see the tweet from that one person who was like, um, uh, how how is Angie acting like this like this like Laurel or Jennifer wouldn't let their daughters act yes. like this? I was oh, like, are you serious? And then she's complaining that we don't know fact from fiction. Yeah. Bazooka Bubblegum tweeted that everyone. That's just so ridiculous. I think her response to everything that happened in this episode was totally normal yes. for an eighteen-year-old. Like, yeah. I would have said those things. I mean. Also- like the way when Tina was like, you'll understand like when you're older, like you don't want to hear that when you're 18. No. I think that you're mature and you're not. Right. Um, next scene is Alice like realizing that her cat is missing. So she's panicking. She's freaking out. She realizes like the cat must have got out of the window. And then we see this like very long scene between Tess and Shane and Tess again is drinking somehow Shane doesn't know that Shane like proposes that they turn this what was supposed to be a second bar into a salon I want to know what your thoughts are on that what really pissed me off about the whole Shane and Tess interaction at the end of the episode was yes Tess is drunk so you have to take that into consideration but when she says this was supposed to be mine it really frustrated me because Shane's been bankrolling all of this been bankrolling her entire like life at the moment Dana's but Dana's was hers Shane let Tess decorate Dana's be the manager of Dana's like Shane did it sort of in like a cute way because she liked her but like she'd let her have that freedom and then Tess goes and is like let's buy another bar and then has the nerve to say oh this is going to be my thing Dana's is already your thing Shane already gave that to you and why does Shane owe you anything else and why can't Shane have something of their own why can't Shane Shane doesn't have any passion in her life at the moment and being a hairdresser can give that back to her yes yeah go off queen go off (laughs) it's me off so much and it's like yeah she's drunk and being unreasonable but like I'm sorry, where, who is this Tess? What, where is Tess? Like, what is happening? There's also the shot of her dancing alone at, at Dana's, which 
reflects back to season one where she's like drunk and serving alcohol to everyone and like dancing throughout the bar. And I thought it was a really interesting parallel to like the bar being full of people. And like we said before, like now she has no one around her. She's not really talking to Finley. She's not talking to anyone since her mom died. And like the bar used to be filled with people and she was drinking and having, you know, that type of time. And now she's there literally by herself drinking and like hiding it and kind of like in this like very bad place. Mm. well done i i completely did not even i just thought they were just showing the fact that like she was drunk and like isolating i wouldn't even never like put those two scenes together well done deep deep dive i i saw (laughs) it just like laughed i was like what is going on Yeah. (laughs) yeah no i i think that's a stellar observation i also think that like the whole they're just like not in a position to have a conversation like this right now so for the fact for Shane to even bring it up and expect that it was going to go anywhere but negative it's kind of stupid on Shane's part but Shane doesn't know that Tess is drinking again so Shane doesn't really know but Shane but Shane had to get ahead of the renovations too if they want to switch it so like I don't disagree with that and but Shane didn't realize I don't think I don't think a, a sober Tess would have reacted that poorly to the idea I think she would have been like let's think about it but when Shane asked if Tess wanted to talk to someone, if they wanted to go see someone, Tess was very clear that like she didn't want to talk. So I don't know that it, yeah. I don't know if Shane really would could have expected that like Tess was going to be on board with the idea in any, in any degree, whether she was sober, drunk, or, you know, indifferent. Also, why has Dana's been closed since Finley pulled the fire alarm? Because that was like several episodes ago. Like, why is Dana's closed on like a night? Well, just in there. I don't have an answer. No one works at Dana's. Maybe no it's because works. like they were gone for Tess's mom's funeral, and then Finley was taking care of Carrie. Are we normal? They can't be the only manager that runs here. things. Um. Dre shows back up on like Dre's back. She's they're ready to perform. They're questioning Danny about like what what's up after Dre said that they were in love with Danny. Danny's like, that's this isn't the time. Yeah. Dana's on the stage and perform essentially. That's brief. Then we get to the scene of all scenes, which is we're at the, the fucking burger stand. The, the, what's the name of this place? The, the freeze something. Frosty oh, freeze. There you go. Um, I love their dialogue in the beginning. I love everything about the way that like Bet is comforting to Tina. That Bet is like, we are losing her. Like just so straightforward. Like she's so fucking smart. Like she's ready. Like just again to see them in such different positions i think it really speaks to their growth yeah i like i love when they do a role reversal with Matt and tina you see that in season six a little bit um but it, it feels so natural this time it feels like they've done like a lot of growing together and that being like the voice of reason throughout this whole episode it, it was really nice. The line between Jennifer Beals and Bette Porter is getting thinner and thinner. And <laughs> <it was> thinner. <laughs> Absolutely. Like the only line that is 
that it is is lesbianism like that's <laughs> when when that comes up behind tina and starts flirting with her in front of the entire city of los angeles can we just take a moment what I'm, like, I'm nervously like wrapping my hair as if I was just, like, <laughs> literally we're all like giggling you know, like, and like kicking our feet. We're like, oh. <laughs> if you guys could see the smiles on all of our faces, <laughs> we just, all just got really shy. <laughs> so, just everything. It was everything. The it way was, that I mean, I thought it was like it was literally felt like I was watching a fanfic scene. Yes. The yeah. way that Tina licked her lips when she was like, are you flirting with me? I was like, oh, I was literally like, Ooh. I love the fact that for weeks before this episode aired, we were like, oh my God, we can't wait to see Tina like yell. She's going to look so sexy, blah, blah, blah. And then Bet like actually legitimately <laughs> said, you are so sexy standing up for her. Like, hello. <laughs> like, Okay. Yes, you can hire us on as writers. <laughs> You've done your research. You don't, don't even pay us. That's fine. It was, it was so hot to hear that say that to Tina. Like, whew. and actually, like unexpected because of this like very serious moment that they just had talking about their daughter. I was not expecting like the tables to turn so quickly with that. Well, and like that knows that Tina needed like something. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say like she did it to make Tina feel feel better. Yeah. Oh, it's so hot. Yeah. It was so good. And then they're like hanging all over each other, like ordering their number threes with fries and, and a soda. Like just so good. Did you hear the two straws? Do you think that's the new cob salad? <laughs> yeah. But then they show two sodas. They can't even get it like right. No, they can't even do that right. If I was that cashier. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking though, like I like how the L word totally erases homophobia sometimes because like <laughs> they're just out there living their lives being complete lesbians in public yeah it's so cute not not a care in the world no no hate <laughs> the only unrealistic thing is i know someone in that line would have been like look at these two hot mills please look at them look at them yeah. <laughs> do you write do you write it would have been fucking celine in so the bushes like, <laughs> your fucking camera i would have had like a leash on my <laughs> like yeah. one of those backpack leashes everyone would have been on their knees was that everyone would be on their knees yeah it's true the other thing that makes me laugh about the original show and about Gen Q is that like everyone is just like everyone in their orbit is a lesbian or is queer. Yeah. Like that's not real life yes. at all. But yeah. okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> everyone just happens to be gay. It's fine. If this oh. was the OG, everyone in line at the Frosty Freeze would have been gay. Like very <laughs> so hundred percent. So hundred footers. Like, okay, so I at work today I'm watching the episode as you do on the clock and my coworker comes up behind me and is like oh are you caught up like have you seen the most recent episode and I was like pause at the scene where Bet and Tina are in the dorm room with Angie and I said hold on you watch the L word and she's like yes like since years ago I like watched the original I'm like do you have any idea what can of words you just <laughs> And she was not ready. Like she watches the show, but she does not like 
follow the actresses. She did not know who Marjolis Ryan was. She did not know about the interview. Are <laughs> you that naive? Oh my God. I, I, I said, wish. I said, girl, take a seat. And like, <laughs> I was telling my husband about it when I got home and she's, and he's like, you do not understand that like you and your friends are way outside of like the norm. Like n- not many people are fans like you guys are on this show. I'm like, but it's I've never met someone in real life that's like watched the show from back then never ever my friends from the show are from the internet period and then like people in my world that I've gotten to watch it like gun to their head gotten them to watch it (laughs) so yeah yeah I know like only a few people so yeah most of the people I know in real life never actually like finished it or only watched it here and there yeah, or like their favorite character is Shane. And I'm like, yeah, you clearly didn't pay a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. It's Tina or Bat or Die. Um, <laughs> so then we see Alice looking for her cat outside. She calls 911. That's pretty much the gist of that scene. Then we see Angie go back to the professor. Girl, what are you doing? I just hear too it's much. Like, girl. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's begging. Kid is begging to be resurrected. Exactly. <laughs> Let like, me down there. How, Let me down there. Think about how much different this whole scene would have gone if Kit was there. It all would have gone down. Bursting through that dorm room. Yeah, I would like, like love to see Kit and Angie. Yes. On Gen Q. Like, oh, so good. It would have been so good. And Pam was in like chaotic error again. And like, she, it, what the fuck she is she great on Twitter. She would have been great on Twitter when these episodes were yes. out. Oh my God. And like, we'll never get one, but if we could have even got like a flashback episode, they could, they could seriously, with just a little bit of makeup, they could make Angie look five years younger. Like, it, it, yeah. She, she looks so much younger in season one. Like I was watching back yeah. some scenes yeah. and I was like, oh my God, she's tiny. She's just a baby. So she goes back and she she sleeps with the fucking professor and it, this is not like a highlight of the episode at all. No. Um. I'm so in the bedroom with Misty and Carrie. So what do you have to say, Celine? I'm glad we got confirmation that Carrie's a bottom. That's the tweet. We we know we've been new, but like. It was nice to have confirmation. When Carrie or when Rosie O'Donnell was interviewed by Howard Stern, you know, earlier on, I think early in the the season or before, Rosie says, like, I'm going to have a sex scene this season. And I don't even know if I'd consider this a sex scene. In, like, standard L word world, not really. It's not. Like a lot of the other sex scenes, again, Mm -hmm. air quotes are coming out, like, we didn't really have any this season and a lot of them just start with like a two second kiss and then it just kind of like fades out and alludes to the fact that they have sex mm-hmm. and I think the sex scenes are such a big personality of the show mm-hmm. and that's another reason why it really just didn't feel like the L word this season like the yeah. last sex scene we have is that and Tina or Shane and fucking Kalani like episode two episode three maybe like there's just been nothing very dry very dry nobody is screaming yeah yeah I thought they they really hyped up Carrie's sex scene and it wasn't 
it was pounding against a wall. Yeah. She basically just touches her vagina and then Carrie starts crying. Yeah. Which is interesting. <laughs> Carrie. Nothing Carrie, man. Do you think Tina touched her vagina and she cried? I think they explored each other's bodies. Probably not, because <laughs> we saw they didn't they kiss one time and they and put the <laughs> Yeah, behind Laurel's head, so you don't even see them. Kill. Like they, they did not have any int- intimacy, no, at all. Even in the way that like their scenes were like just in general, like there was no intimacy between them at all. It was all Carrie was a rebound, and Carrie is so opposite of Beth. It's clear that like Tina wanted to go to someone that was safe. Mm. that was it that she wouldn't have to risk going through heartbreak like she did with Beth like Tina doesn't even probably remember Carrie's name at this point and like all Carrie can talk about is how like she had her heart broken like oh I think I tweeted that I was like Tina doesn't even know who Carrie is anymore (laughs) I would I would be the same exact way as Carrie is if I forgot my my heart broken by Tina Kennard done (laughs) but like under her head could Tina even like recall Carrie's middle name probably not I also love that Carrie had a full-on heart attack and Tina does not know and she's just out <laughs> for her joint like getting engaged without a care in the world. Tina's, yeah. Tina's gonna see Finley at her wedding and be like who the fuck is this twink and, T- and fin- Finley will be like you're Tina. <laughs> you're the Tina. Oh, you're Tina. Oh. You hurt my Carrie. You hurt my Care Bear. You hurt my Care Bear. <laughs> you hurt my mom. My mommy said that that's not nice. <laughs> I'm just gonna say. Um, the next scene is Tina and Beth sitting outside of this, sitting outside on a bench, just casually eating burgers and fries, having a little convo. Do you ever miss LA? Nope, I'm with you. I could be anywhere. Just so sweet and Tina just on the fly says like, we maybe we should get married. And Beth's reaction to that is fucking hilarious to me. Like her eyes, she's just like, don't fucking ruin this moment. (laughs) She like immediately puts down the burger and reaches for her purse. Yeah. I have a lot to say about the scene. Go ahead. Go for it. Okay. Okay. So I think one of my favorite things about this season with them is like just how casual they are in their affection for each other. Cause like everything in the OG felt so big and so grand. And like, especially with like season five, you have like stir fry, you have she bar, you have the elevator scene. Like these are all really, really big moments for them. And they all felt again, like huge. And this is just like, yeah, I, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And it's just like, same, like, it's so yeah. casual. And you can tell that they like talk about these things mm-hmm. and yeah, we missed it, but like, you can tell. Yeah. And I fucking love it. It's yeah. so sweet. <laughs> is very sweet moment I, I like that you can see that they've they've just like done so much work together again like that this moment could be so casual because they've done all the work that yeah. we haven't seen yeah yeah it's like I, go ahead Francesca. it's like they're, they're just so happy and content and like at peace with each other and like they just it, it, and like you said, it could be so casual because it's just the next natural step. It's just what they have to do next. Like, well, let's just like have a party and make it official and like yada, yada, yada and this, that, the other thing. And But it, I, I will say it was funny though because Bet like for a split second was like, 
no she's not doing this like she's not <laughs> but then it like it worked out and I, I wish just, I love how giddy like Bet was and like how shy and like how like excited like oh this girl still likes me like after yeah. all this time, like oh she really likes me yay <laughs> I wish like, there was like a like an again comment like, I wish there was an again. again like, like why, <laughs> did, why didn't Tina say that why didn't Tina say yeah. I think we should get married again right I think I that's that was my initial reaction I think they're gonna save it for the wedding yeah. yeah I think maybe like I hope that Alice officiates and she kind of like makes the joke like we're gonna we're gonna do this again gonna do, yeah I think I hope that they're saving that joke but it needs to be made yeah, yeah. 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 Or, or or their first wedding just like them living in New York totally disappear <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that they they just like went to City Hall. They they did that. And the reason that they want to get married again and have a huge wedding is because they didn't do it the first time. Well, there's something that... sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it's like I tweeted that they couldn't even get ma- legally married the first time until like a few years later. Right. Well, there's the thing in the promo where Tina says, I want them to see us happy like this. Yes, that's so, right. Yeah. So I think it might be that. I think it would make us feel better as fans that we didn't miss this big wedding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, like we're we're seeing the one and only big wedding that they they will ever have. Yeah. yeah. And this proposal wasn't spontaneous. Like they both yeah. thought about it. Like they both truly yeah. like have probably been sitting and thinking about it for weeks. Like Bet obviously went and got a ring, but I feel like Tina, it's been stirring in her mind as well. I think that there is definitely a parallel between Tina's reaction to the ring and Tina's reaction at the end of season six when mm-hmm. she says that she wants to marry her, like that same kind of shock. And there's a interview that was done with Viola Davis where she talks about like the joy in marriage happens long after the honeymoon, like you're marrying every day of someone. And so like, I feel like the the like the love that you have with you and your partner is really in like those small moments so I'm glad that it it wasn't this like over the top like we could have done without the fireworks quite honestly we didn't do that bullshit but (laughs) that was the clingiest that was our version of the suddenly I see yeah this was the episode nine version of that yeah. I think that shot of them should have just been them like making each other. Yeah. Yes. That, 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 no, I like your answer better. Yeah. Sharing their fucking Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yes. So yeah, I think that they did a really good job of just like showing that it doesn't have to be planned. like it can be simple and I liked it a lot. Yeah, and it was like a nice parallel to the first proposal. Mm-hmm. this time we got a ring which I do appreciate but it they didn't do like the grand gesture the like heterosexual like <laughs> you know that you see in a lot of tv shows like it was yeah. just and simple. it was double proposal it was double proposal yeah it's like the most lesbian thing you can fucking do yeah <laughs> if Tina w- it would have been too much if Tina would have pulled out a ring but like that does- <laughs> I think she should have <laughs> I love when Tina turns to Bet and is just like, let the record show that I asked you first. Like, I love her look in that moment 
like the eyebrow comes back like it's just it's perfect do we want to discuss I know a lot of us were hoping that Tina would have been the one to have the ring and do the proposal <laughs> I know a lot of us were like kind of upset because we got spoiled before the episode we found out that that was the one and you know we were kind of a lot of us were a little disappointed yeah. now that we've seen the scene are we still disappointed no 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 okay I, I also are you still disappointed uh no now that we've seen it no I do like that it was like a mutual yeah. proposal. I think if it had just been bet I would have been like eh. Yeah. I'm happy that Tina brought it up because I think that's something we actually wanted was it to be Tina's idea like Tina yes. needed to Tina needed to say something and do something and I think her leading in questions were good about it yeah I don't know yeah I do like that she mentioned it first at least like mm -hmm. she wasn't the one who had the ring but at least she mentioned it first and I think that was necessary so yeah Good. I, I think what we know to be true from season one of the original to today is that like Bet never ever ever saw a future without Tina ever. It's really truly always been Tina who has stepped away from the relationship. So it doesn't surprise me that like now that they're back together and they're settled, that Bet's just like we're getting fucking married again. Like you know whether you want to or not, I'm getting this ring. You know like that like eagerness and like lack of um, maybe patience in a sense because they hadn't talked about it yet it's not surprising to me yeah when you put it that way yeah totally um next scene is we see Dre performing on the Ella show that song is a bop it's a bop yeah, it's a great it's a great song um we see Finley looking at apartments and that's also when we hear Harry and Misty having sex then we skew to this just super cringy fucking Fireworks scene between Tina and Bat. Never in a million like, years. Who said fireworks? Yeah. Random. How are, you, how are you sitting in the middle of Los Angeles? Yeah. And like fireworks go off the exact moment that you get engaged. Like, <laughs> yeah. for real. Be serious. Be serious. Um, we see Angie and the professor like after they had sex. Well. We see Tess dancing alone in the bar. Shane, like smelling Tess's clothes, I guess is what we're- That's doing. what it was. It's, it's yeah. Tess's shirt. I was like, why is Shane smelling her own shirt? Right. Um, we come to kind of see him where Dre is like dramatically gonna exit the apartment because Danny still has not clarified like her feelings for Dre and we're left at a cliffhanger. We still don't know. Um, and then we close with Alice calling the fire department, looking for her cat. And everyone was kind of speculating that it was going to be Tasha that came back. I still think like it was a little shocking that it was actually her. Um, thoughts? I'm so glad that it was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and glad that they did it the way they did because we yeah. all assumed that Alice was going to like call her yeah. and she was going to yeah. be the you know, like trying to see if she was the one, like, I'm glad that we were so wrong about that because mm -hmm. I hated that idea. And this one was good. I, the, the tension, the arguing, everything, I was just thrown right back into the original. I was like, yes, yes. 
give it to me. I love it. I'm fucking here for it. The way Alice was like, this is so annoying. (laughs) I was like, it's perfect. It's everything. (laughs) If they have the chance to like have the opportunity in like a season four to like re-fall in love with each other, that would be perfect. It can't just be like, I think you're my soulmate. Now we're back together. No, we need to see, we need to see it happen again. Yeah. Also, so glad she's a firefighter. We love it. Yeah. Yeah. She switched departments. Thank God. <laughs> she switched them. Oh, I was just so good to hear her Such voice good. again. I yeah. want to hear her laugh. Oh, so really bad. Good. A lot of people compare Gigi and Danny to like the next Tibet. Like they thought like that was going to be like the it couple. But I think people did sleep on Tasha and Alice. Like they have very good. I think I think that uh, Leisha and Rose have very good on on screen chemistry it, a lot not as good as jennifer and laurel because no one will ever hit that tier but like they're they're a good runner-up like they they jump right back into it like you said Celine. like it was like no time had passed even that though they had been on stage together in like 15 years yeah that whole dialogue was like just kiss me already yeah yes when when she was turning away and tasha was like alice you see her face be like now they have to hook up at that and tina's wedding i feel like their wedding is going to be a whole fucking situation where so many people hook up like they're hooking up other people are (laughs) hooking up some other (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna say who can't wait to talk about that one next can't wait to talk about that one i mean Um, we can bring up the dude is it public that no hmm. no. <laughs> no it is not, <laughs> well, let's, not meet those people. let's not be that podcast and yeah, right let's just it's not public knowledge um and we'll then... talk about it after we stop recording <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, i guess i mean like i want tasha and alice to hook up yeah is she and do we know if she's in the next episode like i feel like it's super to yeah to yes. have her come back and then disappear again so oh, she's in this episode she's in 10 mm-hmm. oh okay so okay. great slay 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 right. next episode is the tibet wedding um can't wait francesca got her formal invite already save the date from showtime how does it feel to be just blessed be <laughs> angel it feels it feels great but um the the weird drama that ensued afterwards bizarre what happened we'll talk i'm still waiting for mine oh yeah caitlin's getting one too but i am getting one the moose has to bring it to her apartment (laughs) i like check profusely like every day i'm like is it here yeah um in la hopefully with some people um This like is you are watching it Thursday night then at midnight. Are you waiting? No, I am. Oh, are you kidding? No. I was gonna say, how are you gonna wait till Sunday? No, I'm not. There's no fucking way. I'd rather I'm die. <laughs> I would rather lay in LA traffic than wait. <laughs> like, there's no fucking way I'm waiting. Um, this has got to be one of our longest episodes in history. Um, easily, no doubt. So this has been another episode of All Things Podcast. I'm Brittany. I'm Francesca. I'm Celine. And I'm Caitlin. And we'll see you at the fucking wedding. <laughs> Woo!